0: Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for May 3. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. Glenn Scrivener's recent book, The Air We Breathe, compellingly explores the way that Christianity has shaped the moral values of the West. It's a book for those who believe and those who don't know what to believe. It especially awakens those of us who believe to why we need God's strength to honor Him in our lives As well as promote him afresh. Yet how often are we silenced through our fears, forgetting what the Bible reveals about Jesus Christ?
1: John chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, "'No one comes to the Father except through me. "'If you know me, you will know my Father also. "'From now on, you do know him and have seen him.' "'Philip said to him, "'Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied.' "'Jesus said to him, "'Have I been with you all this time, Philip, "'and you still do not know me? "'Whoever has seen me has seen the Father.' will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will
0: do it. At the opening of John chapter 14, a dark cloud was hanging over Jesus' disciples. For three years they'd been with him and were increasingly confident he was God's promised king. But at the Passover meal he had told them he was going away. Don't be troubled, he said. Believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. Thomas's response to Jesus' words expresses a frustration we can all feel. Lord, we don't know where you're going. For Thomas, knowledge is based on concrete realities, not abstract metaphors. Where's this Father's house you're talking about, Jesus? How can we know the way? Thomas was frustrated and doubted. Jesus' reply is breathtaking. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Significantly, He didn't say, I'll show you the way, but rather, I am the way. He didn't say, I'll tell you the truth, but I am the truth. He didn't say, I'll give you eternal life, but I am the life. He is saying that at the heart of the universe is not a mathematical or scientific equation, but a person. This news is the air we have come to breathe. Now many dismiss the existence of God and a supernatural realm, especially the idea that the supernatural can enter the material world. Maybe Thomas thought this too. Perhaps that's why later on he couldn't accept that Jesus had risen from the dead. Let's think about this. You may attend church, but never admit your doubts, silently going along with the church crowd. It would have been easier for Thomas to have pretended to believe what Jesus was saying. At least he was prepared to admit his doubts. And helpfully for us, Jesus doesn't cut him down. When, a week after his resurrection, Jesus saw Thomas, he said, Put your finger here, Thomas. Don't be faithless, but believing. In the midst of cynical voices today, It's also encouraging to know that there are eminent mathematicians who testify to the trustworthiness of the Bible's record and the existence of the supernatural. For example, Dr. John Lennox, Professor Emeritus of Mathematics at Oxford University has said, The rational intelligibility of the universe points to the existence of the mind that was responsible both for the universe and our minds. It is for this reason that we are able to do science and to discover the beautiful mathematical structures that underlie the phenomena we can observe. Jesus is saying that the only way we are to make sense of our existence is by recognizing that He is the complex person who is the mind behind the universe. People who can hardly recall their two times tables can be closer to the truth than many high-level scientists or mathematicians, because they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Philip, another of Jesus' disciples, had a follow-up question. Lord, show us the Father. That's all we need. Philip wanted some tangible experience of God that would assure him of Jesus' words. He may have wanted a special appearance of God, such as Moses experienced at the burning bush that we read about in Exodus chapter 3. Or maybe he was influenced by the Greek mystery religions and had in mind some kind of inner ecstasy, a spiritual trip that would lift him to new levels of consciousness. Either way, he wanted to see God. Jesus' response, again, is astonishing. He who has seen me has seen the Father, we read in verse 9. We would not be surprised if Jesus had replied, Don't be silly, Philip, you're asking the impossible. Rather, he says, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Many who read history still regard Jesus as one of the world's greatest teachers. But this doesn't come near to what Jesus is saying here. He is saying he's not just an emissary from God, but God himself. Consider how Jesus continues, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, and believe me because of the works themselves. Think about it, Jesus is saying. You've seen me turn water into first-class wine. You've heard that I cured a young boy at a distance. You've seen me heal a man paralyzed for 38 years, provide food for thousands at a word, restore sight to a man blind from birth, as well as bring a man dead for four days out of a tomb. Doesn't that tell you something about me? It would have made sense, explaining many extraordinary events over the last three years, how Jesus could outteach the academics of his day. He knew what he spoke about, because he is from God. How Jesus could raise people from the dead, because he is the source of life. The cumulative impact of Jesus' life the science he performed and his revelatory teaching exemplifies the truth of the opening lines of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men and women. And then we read in verse 14, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. Blaise Pascal, the 17th century French mathematician, philosopher, and physicist, wrote in his Pensée, People despise religion. They hate it, and are afraid it may be true. The cure for this is just to show that religion is not contrary to reason, but worthy of reverence and respect. Next, make it attractive. Make good men and women wish it were true, and then show them that it is. To rephrase Glenn Scrivener's words, Is this the air you breathe? So let me pray. Almighty God, you show to those who are in error the light of your truth, so that they may return into the way of righteousness. Grant to all who are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's service that we may renounce those things that are contrary to our profession and follow all such things as are agreeable to it. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: People involved in this week's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Carol McCormick, a member of Emanuel Anglican Church, New York City. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and closing music is from St. Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.